Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Storm King's Teddy, session 13 this time. How you doing, Kat? Good. So, uh, we had uh, our session last night and picked up after a little bit of fireside chat. you want to cover some of that? Yeah, it's, um, let me pull it up real quick. It was a lot between Lars and Portia. Yep. Um, in fact, I think the the whole week was just Lars and Portia. Yeah, I think so. Um, but it started off with, you know, like, Portia was, um, you know, kind of like looking in on the weightlifting crew in the morning with her donut and everything. And then, um, you know, Lars broke off. Um, you know, after he got his morning gains and, and he ran into Portia and he's like, Hey, let's, let's talk for a bit. Um, you know, he wanted to apologize for his previous actions, the session before about pursuing, um, one of the, one of like Portia's secrets or whatever it was, which was Um, drop dead funny. (laughs) Yes. That was hilarious. (laughs) Um, you know, Portia was hesitant at first. She's like, oh my God, it's Lars going to keep digging into this or whatever. Um, but no, you know, the two of them just had a nice, um, a little, I think it was a little flirtatious, um, conversations back and forth. Yeah, I definitely got that impression. Yeah. Okay, good. So I'm glad I wasn't the only one that kind of picked up on that. Um, but yeah, it was just the two of them having a chat, you know, Nothing much other than maybe um, I think Portia said like uh, she recommended doing an inside gym set instead of an outside gym set because uh, I guess Storm Reach isn't called Storm Reach for nothing because it does storm there. Um, yeah, go figure, coastal town. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, I think that's about pretty much how it ended is just the two of them and like getting to know each other a little bit better, becoming friends, you know, building up the, uh, building up a rapport with one another. I think at one point Lars even mentioned was like, Hey, I'll like set you up with a a workout routine. And, um, I think Portia was just more, more of like, um, the only workout she needs is like mental workout. So like physical working out is not her cup of tea. So we were planning on visiting the Fishbone Tavern, but its primary clientele didn't show up until, like, the evenings. So we kind of had the day to play with. And that took, oh, right around the first two hours of the session, kind of until we did our break. That close? Yeah. To the time? Um. So... Everybody kind of got to do their own thing, and uh, Teddy was interested in understanding what our routines were as, you know, like our just day-to-day when we weren't out adventuring. So, um, Portia, uh, she busied herself running the shop, uh, spent more time actually out on the sales floor giving Gilda, her uh, apprentice, some um some time away from the job uh, or time to work on her own projects. She did a, she did a check uh, persuasion check. I think is the one it was ran uh, and ended up with a 15 
and this was to show profitability for the shop that day. And I think that that made it 40 gold pieces for the day. Um, let's see. So the other characters, Prue was kind of running security and uh, made a really good intimidation check. <laughs> and Portia stepped in at that point and um, kind of deflected the intimidation check because she didn't want her customers to be frightened and uh, ended up um, moving that intimidation check to really low. I don't remember if it was a minimum, but it was uh, much lower than the, the initial check. Um, let's see, Lars, this was actually a lot of fun. Uh, he went out and he created a, a jingle for the shop and went out and performed it in the streets. And he had such a, uh, a good score on his persuasion that it ended up taking Porsche's profits from 40 gold pieces for the day up by uh, 250 to 290 for the day. So on the strength of his, his jingle. Just goes to show you advertising works. Well, uh, yeah, advertising from him certainly works because not only does he come up with a jingle, but he's got the looks to go with it. Yeah, and, and quite obviously the uh, the the base skills to back it up. So, um, Keelan went shopping for food stores. Met a um, she took Bubba's and asked around for like reputable vendors, and uh, met a uh, old giant named Slug, and um, started doing business with him. Uh, Mask actually spent most of the day sleeping because they keep night hours. So, um, and still not sleeping on the premises, right? Not at spare parts. No, I think he's still at the Open Palm Inn, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm just assuming that's where he's staying. Now, he, I could be totally wrong. And then Tabane, uh spent most of her day in the sauna, right? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, Teddy was just like, you're more, all of your morning workout routines are done. Like you're training, you're praying, you're, um, tinkering or whatever. So like, I couldn't say like, Oh, I was down training with my sword or I was, you know, and, and we already were working out. So I'm like, I don't know what to do with the day. Um, so I'm just like, I'll just hang out in the bathroom and like, you know, get myself cleaned off of, after a morning's workout. And, like, I'll just sit in the sauna. I don't know what else to do with myself. Um, but that did make me learn that um, even the most, what you might think is, like, minuscule and, um, and like, not important, Teddy will make you do a roll for it. So, uh, apparently I was on the borderline of, uh, depending on how my role was, I was on the borderline of probably like getting an exhaustion point or something terrible because I sat in the sauna All way day. longer than I should have. Yeah. So dehydration. Uh, yeah. To dehydration. So he made me do a con constitution save and I passed it, I think, because nothing bad happened, but you know, he's like, oh, you're coming out feeling refreshed, 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 um, relaxed, and 
you know, like your skin is glowing and everything, but you're a little dehydrated. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's um, something to take note about is like, even if you don't think it's just like, oh, I'm just sitting in the sauna. Like what, how important is that? Well, Teddy will make you roll a con save. Well, that's why like the exhaustion ratings are there. So, yeah. um, okay. Then we had our meeting that evening, uh, early evening in the dining room. Uh, and that was before we headed out to the fishbone in the rain. And, um, so another thing you were talking about, uh, Teddy's details, um, making sure that we knew that when we walked up to the tavern, that the sign actually had a dead fish with its skeleton exposed, uh, nailed to the, nailed to the sign. So it was relatively fresh. They must change it out once in a while. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there was a bouncer at the door named Zerb. And when you guys went inside, Portia and I are not Portia and I, Prue and I kind of stayed outside, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you guys saw Jonas Wilkes enforcer Gald uh, sitting at a table. Mm-hmm. You met the bartender slash owner named Fryer, and f- we later found out that Fryer was a bildrat, and let's see what, a, there's a, our, uh, our whistle's going off in the background, sorry if that's bleeding through, um, and then we had, um, let's see, oh, um, Winifred did some good negotiating with the bartender and kind of got a, a private audience for the sum of 30 gold and came up with the name Arla Razor Tongue. And she runs a shop called the Peg and Hook, which makes like low end prosthetics. And we also met a guy there named, is it Velos? I think it's Velos. Velos? 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 Okay. Yeah, Velos sounds right. And he had a pretty serious hand injury that required magic to fix. And it was caused by a uh, kyber splinter that he had had embedded in there for, I think Teddy said it was around five years. Porsche rolled like a 27 arcane check to identify it. And um, then... Uh, Tabane came outside, grabbed Keelan, uh, came in and used lesser restoration on him and, uh, healed the, healed the damage. Um, that kind of loosened his tongue a little and he shared that he overheard someone talking about how a friend was invited to the headquarters and took a wrong quote unquote door. And they were, I think they said something about they just scooped up the remains of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we also learned to identify the Bildrats by a black sash with three white stripes on it. We'd seen like some evidence of that, but kind of got confirmation that um, they, they would carry a sash with them. Um. And then it was uh, more or less the uh, 
I don't remember exactly how the conversation went with the bartender. Um, but basically they were a little distraught because they had put this, uh, razor tongue in, uh, Arla razor tongue in danger because they had, I, I don't know if narked on her is the right terminology, but, um, uh, basically they were somehow responsible for the mess that she might currently be in. What did you get out of that? Uh, this is where story is too advanced for me. Um, so I didn't get much out of it either. Um, but I think she was like a negotiator of some sorts for yeah. the bill rats in the black market. Yeah, that's right. Uh, she'd kind of try and been bringing the two sides together. Yeah. And then she like got her hands clean and now she's, um, not affiliated with them anymore. And so they were concerned that Arla was going to be a target. So we ended up leaving the, uh, bar to go to, uh, her, her business. And when we got there, she was closed, but still there and let us in. And once again, Prue stayed outside this time. Keelan took up kind of post just inside the door and the rest of you walked in and as we were talking, um, the um, there was information that Arla was willing to part with, but said that she wanted like 500 gold for the information. And right around that time, that's when the attack started. Um, and it started, uh, first of all, Prue nailed a perception check with a 24. So noticed that the assailants, uh, were on their way up there before they actually made it there and alerted us so that we didn't get a surprise round on us. And then a, uh, like a Molotov cocktail came through the door and burst on the floor. A couple of you took some damage. Uh, who was it that took the damage? Winifred, Lars, and Portia. But one of them got out of it. Uh, one of them made their save and didn't uh, and didn't oh, end up yes. taking damage. Um, yes, I don't remember which one though. That escapes me as well. Um, I want to say it's probably Winifred that didn't get the damage. Yeah, that could be. So, um, and Prue got off a. Um, a shot on kind of the ringleader of this group that showed up, um, used a new, um, used a new spell called that, or at least one that I don't remember her using before called hail of thorns. So you cast the spell and then you fire your ranged weapon and it almost like burst into like, um, uh, you know, like flechettes, shrapnel almost. Yeah. Um, and kind of like shattered on impact and or whatever, and just yeah. did more like shrapnel damage. All right. So, um, walk us through some of the combat. Um, so that opened up the Molotov came through, uh, crew did her, Hail of Thorns attack. 
Um, I got to use my Eldritch Blast for the first time today, or yesterday. Um, because I wasn't in a position very good to melee anyone. I was outside as well. Um, but I could walk around the left side of the building, and there was two jobbers waiting to bust through the window, and I'm like, well, I got range now, so I Eldritch Blast one of them. Um, don't quite have the second Eldritch Blast um, beam yet, because we're not fifth level. Shame. Um, but, you know, like, uh, before that happened... Um, my sword talked to me, and he was just like, all right, just like we practice, you know how to do this. And then I described my um, my Eldritch Blast, and I, and you know you know how Lars has, like, his little wink, and then he gives us Spartic Inspiration. I'm like, I want something kind of, like, gimmicky and kind of, for lack of a better term, cutesy like that. Um, so I'm like, I'll just do, like, finger guns, and then I'll just go, like, pew! And then every time I go pew, the, the blast will come out. So that was... My little gimmick for Eldritch Blast. I on, um, I honestly thought you were going to end up pointing your sword, and it was just going to like shed a like blast off of it or something. You know, I ever since we started talking about this, and I known I wanted to go Warlock, and I was going to get Eldritch Blast and um, Green Flame Blade as my two cantrips, which I'll get to in a moment. Ever since I've known that, I've been giving it a considerable amount of thought on what they look like. Purely for the factor, because I knew Teddy was going to ask me, what does your Eldritch Blast look like? What does your Green Flame Blade um, look like? So I've been giving it a lot of thought, and one of them was, one of those thoughts for my Eldritch Blast was, like, I take my sword, I point it, and the beam comes out from my sword. But I'm like, eh, I kind of like the finger guns a little bit better. Um, But yes, my, my sword was a considerable option or i do like a i do like a slash attack in the air with my sword and then the beam comes out as like a slash instead of a beam you know uh, I, I as you can tell i've given it a lot of thought uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i did that um there wasn't much more else i could do so i'm like eh, all right i just i didn't really cast any spells this fight because i felt no need to divine smite there wasn't really there wasn't too I didn't sense or see anyone as like a big threat. Like obviously there was the head honcho of these jobbers, but like you like Winifred had it handled, you had it handled, Portia was in there as well. Lars was I mean, like you guys had that handled, so I'm like, I'll just focus on taking out some of the jobbers. Um, you know, they the two from the left busted in and um then the big bad guy whose name escapes me um do you remember the leader of that guy's name well there was a note on him and it was signed zed but i don't i mean that's who gave him the note his name is hoffman hoffman okay um and we've encountered this Zed person before because that note we found in Portia's office, um, it was there was a note addressed to Zed, um, and yes, but this time I this that. note this note was was written by this Zed figure, um, but yeah, Hoffman was the big bad guy, um, and I, I, I. Think he, I don't know what class he was. I knew he he attacked twice, and he had a longsword, and it was 
he was hitting pretty hard. Um, but you know, eventually, uh, the Molotov cocktail was growing in size. It was, or the not the cocktail itself, but the fire it created, um, was growing in size. So we had not only jobbers and a big bad guy to take out. We had a fire growing, and I think uh, Portia put it into perspective um quite clear that like it would look really bad for her if she visited her competition shop and it suddenly was ransacked and burned down and burned to the ground yeah so i'm like you know what that's a good point so i i i think we dispensed with the the jobbers pretty quickly um and had some creative ideas on how to take out the fire um Lars suggested that, like, he drenched himself in water and stopped, dropped, and rolled over it, and <laughs> you know, takes it out that way. And I almost for a thought, second thought, he actually was going to do that. That's some very and backwards it, thinking. <laughs> yeah, and it sounded like Teddy would have let him too, but I suspect there would have been fire damage involved. And I would, was, I would think so. Yes. Yeah. Um. So he, so Lars took the quote-unquote boring way out and he mage tanned one of his uh uh water skins over the fire and took it out to, well decreased its size that way then prue came along finished off the fire put a blanket over it and um and that pretty much quelled the fire um was it it was winifred who took out hoffman and he took him out in quite the dramatic way, you know, like getting advantage with you on the other side, plunging his rapier in his heart, and then taking like what did, what did Winifred say to him as he was killing him? Oh, it was uh, um, oh dang, it was a good line too. Um, it, it, I think it came straight out of a movie. Oh. Uh, it, it was something like, and may you, something like, will you rest or will, may I lay you to rest or I, I can't remember. I I can't remember the, the exact line either, but, um, I'll have to, I'll have to ask him and then we'll bring it up in the next session. Cause it was a good line. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Um, a couple other notable things is I used, um, green flame blade one of my cantrips which is a melee cantrip um the way i described it looked as i said much like how a samurai cleans blood off of their katana you know you put your elbow up at like 90 degrees and you run run the sword in the crease and then it ignited in flames so i'm like no i don't have anything better to (laughs) think of that um so i'm like that's a cool way of doing it so i use green flame blade um again not to its full potential but damage is damage and you Uh, you had a a table set for you because until you hit fifth level you only get uh damage that jumps to nearby opponents right so the the one that you actually strike doesn't take any extra damage but then it jumps to nearby and and there were two of the you're calling them jobbers the uh yeah. Uh, the the henchmen or whatever uh, they were standing right next to one another. So you attacked one, and then the flames jumped to the other. Yes. So and that was really upon good. upon reaching um, fifth level, 
I will get a like a D8 to the initial damage with my in addition to my sword, and then a D8 when the flame jumps to another person. Yeah, that's pretty I good. I think it's a D8. It could be a D6. No, it's a I'm D8. Pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's a D8. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that'll that'll be um, like fifth level for me is when my cantrips become really good. Um. Other than that, I think I get another spell slot and not much else happens until i reach sixth level and then then i can start alpha striking oh yes um okay so in that fight um keelan actually was more effective in this fight than she has been in most of the recent ones uh she closed in with uh winifred on the opposite side of the leader and um, took up position opposite so that we would both have advantage on our strikes. Summoned a spiritual weapon with my bonus action. Struck, did decent damage there. And because I had advantage, I didn't use Toll the Dead. I swung with my mace and also connected, did some decent damage there. Um, later in the fight, I did end up using Toll the Dead on one of the jobbers and uh, actually landed it. So, uh, yes, one for one. 100% hit rate. 100% hit rate last session. Um, And um, so the fire started. Keelan, I I made mention that uh, Keelan's eyes looked like alive. Like, like all lit up and while the fire was burning and had I done the finishing blow on the leader, it was Keelan's full intention to, after landing the killing blow to grab the corpse and throw it into the flames to purify it. Oh, wow. So, uh, I wish that had come, I wish that had come around in, in play, but, uh, um, Winifred's, uh, little speeches, <laughs> he, he drove the, uh, the blade in was, was worthwhile. And I also mentioned that when the fire was finally extinguished, Keelan was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I so. caught that and you, you made a little exertion, like, um, crew put like a blanket or a rug or some cloth and extinguished the fire. And then just immediately after like, all right, the fire is quenched. And Teddy's like, the fire is quenched. You just went, ah, <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway, that was, uh, I was trying to come up with a line for, um, you know, something about the, the flames that you created, uh, cleansing your sin or whatever it was. I was going to, yeah, I was definitely going to throw the body into the fire. So, um, yeah, we finished that and we killed all of them. Uh, one of them disengaged and tried to run and you were able to, uh, run them down and finish the last one. Yep. No loose ends this time. Yeah, finally. Um, okay. Um, so what we pretty much took out of 
the visit to this store was that there's a person called the Rakshasa, which may be, even be a real Rak say it for me, Rak Sasha. Um, and I'm hoping it's not because if fifth edition ones are anything like the ones in previous editions, I don't think we're even close to being able to take one on. Um, but, um, if it's just a title, that's, that's one thing. But if, uh, if it's an actual, uh, rock, rock Sasha, um, then, um, we would definitely be, I, at least in my opinion, on the losing end of that, if they're anything like their second edition counterparts. Um, so, um, found out that they're kind of leading the black market, right? Is that accurate? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, um, Arla pretty much tells us that the black market isn't the enemy, but the Rakshasa is. Right. And um, so um, we are also told, uh, we get this information for free now because we saved her life. So there's no payment. And we're told that um, this, um, that the, not the black market, but the rock, say it for me. Good God. Why are my tongue tied on this rock? Rock Shasa, um, is, um, looking for these Titanic relics or, uh, they're not called, they weren't specifically called Titanic relics, but these clockwork items, um, and that, um, Brachus had two of these. They're magic, they're very rare, and they're all part of a set. And Brachus thinks that they would be very dangerous if they were all collected into one place. Um, and um, also found out that their uh, headquarters is called the Maverick. Um, and uh, that's where, um, that's, uh, Brackus's headquarters. And, um, he believed that that would hold the, uh, Rakshasa Bay and, um, doesn't seem like that that's going the way that Brackus thought it would. So we were given the tip that on dock four, there was a ship called dangerous business and in it, it's like a hub for uh, magic portals that can uh, be used to access different locations. Each portal has an interface stone, and um, so they're activated by different colors of stones, and it's changed daily. Uh, and also, Brachus has an enchantment that prevents any employees from sharing the configuration, and um, so this is like the hub for the in that ship is a hub for the Stormreach branch. Uh, let's see. Uh, and um, this uh, Arla was also able to give us a um, one of the one of the access stones, and right now it's just clear. So uh, we don't know if clear is one of the colors that 
uh, accesses or if it is somehow uh, charged somewhere or anything like that. We don't know anything about that yet. Um, and But we do know that different colors go to different locations. And um, we were also told that the black market has a lot of storm reachers on payroll, uh, including the local authorities. Um, and some work for the uh, Rakshasa as well. Um, so, um, you know, if we get caught doing what we're doing, um, very likely going to be into a fight. My guess is we're going to be into a fight anyway, because when we showed up to the, um, um, the dock four and saw the ships that were there, there were how many groups? Was it four groups of guards walking around? Uh, like a guard and a and a mastiff in each group. Yeah, and there's like three on the boat in the center. So there's like seven people in total, and then four dogs. So yeah, it was very heavily guarded. And um, so yeah, that's it. Looks like we're probably going to be into um, in for a fight anyway. So. And that was where we left off, um, and Teddy left the map of the dock up so that we could take a look at it through the week, kind of come up with a plan of attack. And uh, honestly, I didn't even look at it today. I had some other stuff to do, but um, yeah, I definitely will before long. It's, um, I... Honestly, I don't know how to approach this without actually getting into a fight. Um, I feel like we're going to start fighting and it's just going to be a constant fight the entire time. I don't think we're going to have much in breaks. So this might prove to be a a real challenge for us. Unless Lars is going to charismatic his way in for us or something. I I don't see another way out of this, honestly. So, so this is why I think it's going to end up as combat. If we knew, if we had more information, if we knew the colored stones that we needed to get where we were going, maybe we could finesse this, but we don't even know that. So even if we get inside, if, if we put an operative inside, we, they have no way of knowing where they're going, where they're going to end up. Yeah. So um, next session is going to be quite a doozy because I I I don't know what to expect and I'm I'm a pessimist so I'm fearing the worst. And we're pretty much like you said going in blind. Like all we have is this clear stone and the combination changes. I mean maybe the Arcana Queen Portia will roll arcana again and get us figured out but i i don't i don't know what more we can do yeah i mean if um i i just don't i just don't see a avenue forward that doesn't uh, require um maximum effort on on combat so um all right uh what else to talk about um, I think that about covers it up. 
Um, next session seems like it's going to be combat puzzle heavy, and it seems like stuff is going to go down. I mean, as Teddy inferred, I think we're on the tail end of the prologue arc, which sounds exciting. Yeah, so it looks like uh, we're getting ready to finish up one of the arcs. I hear Luna in the background. Poor Luna. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, <laughs> she sounds so sad. She's fine. She's just being a brat. <laughs> um, okay, so it is once again time for the Toll the Dead report. Because I actually used the spell. And as we mentioned before, I went one for one. That brings my campaign total for Toll the Dead up to 24 opportunities, seven of which actually landed. I am up to a staggering 29% landed on a spell that I should now be landing 65% of the time. So uh, can't ask for can't ask for better than uh, one for one though. So, um, I mean, if if you want, we can start keeping track of how many times I land or miss Green Flame Blade. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> Although we're gonna have to come up with a badass theme song for yours. Through the fire and the flames. <laughs> oh, that would actually be really good. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, um, we can do that. Do you know, um, do you, oh, how many times have you used it? Just the once? I've, I've only used it once, and I've landed once. Okay, well, uh, but yours is... Uh, I Mine mean, isn't th- based off a roll. Oh, it is based off a roll, but it's based off of a melee your, hit. Yeah, your to-hit roll, right? Yeah, so I'm, I think it's going to lean in more favor of being positive than negative. Because, especially if I have advantage, because then I'll be like, oh, I got advantage green flame blade. I'm almost guaranteed to hit. Watch me now. I have advantage to roll a one. <laughs> um, so uh, tell me a little bit about what you're enjoying um, about your character and about the game. Um, I like that I have multi-classed into a warlock. Because I was fine being just a straight paladin. Um, I was actually looking forward to reaching like ninth level paladin and getting aura vitality and give, dishing out some in heal or in combat healing. Um, but that's not going to happen since I multiclassed and I don't think I'll be able to reach ninth level paladin. Um, and if I do, it'll be like the very end of the campaign and it will and the story's over, so I won't. It won't see any use. Um, but that was one thing I was looking forward to reaching ninth level paladin. Um, there wasn't much else in the paladin tree that, like, kind of I was looking forward to. Like, yes, I get an extra attack at fifth level, the ASI at fourth, and then at sixth level I get my aura of protection, which is all big. But after that, it kind of fell off, and like, eh, I don't gain very much. Um, which is fine. I don't have to get everything every, I don't have to get something every level, but multi-classing into Warlock has given me something to look forward to every level. So now it's not just like, oh, I'll reach fourth level. I guess I'll increase my charisma. That's all I get for fourth level. 
Now it's like, oh, fourth level, I'm now third level paladin, first level warlock. And I get all the abilities a warlock gets. Fifth level, my cantrips kick in when I take in second level um, warlock. And then I get um, eldritch invocations. And, you know, some of that stuff kicks in. Sixth level, I will be third level paladin, third level warlock. And then I can start alpha striking and start casting at second level. And then I'll bounce back over to paladin. And, you know, so like every level is something going to look is for me something is going to look forward to and i can actually start kickstarting my build whereas before i was i was just like okay i gotta reach three okay i hit level three paladin okay now there's not much else to look forward to now teddy did say that um the max level that we would probably hit for this campaign was 12 13 yeah I think he told me we will hit level 12, but it will see no gameplay. Oh, okay. So, so realistically, we're looking at 11. Okay. If uh, if we do a bunch of like side quests and whatnot, um, which I don't know if we've missed any or if we're doing all of them. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have, I have no, no idea about that. So, um. Well, that's uh, that's good. You've, uh, you, like you said, you've definitely got something to look forward to at each level now. So, um, I am. Uh, let's see. Other than the ability score increases, and you know, I, I get a few uh, abilities um, added to added to my uh, my. Oh, like when I cast healing spells on other characters, I'll also heal that kind of thing. Um, but for the most part, my big ability doesn't kick in till tenth level. Wow, that'll be late into the game. Yeah, and it's only a ten percent chance of it working. So, uh, but I can uh, ask for divine intervention at tenth level. And it's a 1% chance per level of working until you hit 20th level, and then it's 100%. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, yeah, I'm liking uh, I'm liking the character so far. And um, I'm, there, there's an awful lot of, there's an awful lot of detail to take in. And I will say that, uh, I get lost once in a while on the uh, on all of the intricacies of the politics and the um, you know just kind of the the overall um, shadow things that are going on. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I'm getting the gist of it. So uh, as long as uh, as long as I'm able to at least keep my nose above water, it's all good. Um. Okay, well, I don't have anything else unless you do. No, I think we've tapped out um, all we can for this session. Um, Next session, I suspect we will have quite a lot to talk about. Yeah, I imagine they'll be pretty combat heavy. So um, hopefully something else, something comes up and uh, keeps us out of uh, the, the dead category, but... Uh, Kat, thanks for taking your time. I know you had a long work day, so appreciate you doing this afterwards. And uh, we'll talk to you later, all right? Yeah, no problem.